good morning, everyone. Uh, we are glad you can join us for today's International Business Council program on U.S.-South Korea business relationship. We have a great uh, panel here, as we always do, and appreciate the opportunity to have you plug into this conversation. I'm Ralph Schultz. I'm the CEO of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce and uh, welcoming you today for over 25 years. Growing international business connections has been a pillar of the Chamber's economic development work. Being a part of the global economy is very important to the success and prosperity uh, for our region here in Tennessee. Some days that means working alongside global businesses to help them grow and expand in the Nashville region. But today that means hosting events like this morning's program, which brings the brightest minds in foreign policy and diplomatic circles to the Nashville region. And I know that we've enjoyed all of these episodes over, over time. Um, Minister Kim, Deputy Assistant Secretary Knapper, and Mr. Stangerone, I'm happy to virtually welcome you to Nashville. Uh, we also issue a standing invitation to come visit us in person because the experience of Nashville is what brings you the full knowledge of, of the vitality of this economy. So we, are, we welcome you guys this morning. This program is part of the Future of Korea project in conjunction with the World Affairs Councils of America and the Korea Economic Institute of America. This event would not be possible without the partnership we have with the Tennessee World Affairs Council. The TENWAC is an independent nonprofit educational grassroots organization that works to inform our community about the world. I encourage you to become a member and check out their slate of virtual programs on the TENWAC website. Also, a huge thanks to our other partners, the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the IBC's presenting sponsor, Baker Donaldson. Without your support and the support of all of these, all of these organizations, programs like this would not be possible. Now with that, I'm gonna turn the program over to our ever effervescent and knowledgeable moderator, John Scanapieco. John? Uh, thanks, Ralph. Uh, I appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. I'm John Scanapieco, and I chair Baker Donaldson's uh, global business team. And I wanna welcome everybody this morning to our excellent presentation. We've got three really great speakers today who have uh, unique insight into the economic and diplomatic relationships between South Korea and uh, the uh, United States. And one of our speakers even has a Tennessee connection, as you can see from the, uh, the, the, the background. But before we hear from our speakers, I'd like to take a minute to recognize the chamber sponsors that make uh, today's event and other events possible. Uh, Baker Donaldson is the IBC's presenting sponsor, and we always appreciate the opportunity to partner with the Chamber on these international activities uh, and events. The Chamber's pivotal partners, Delic U.S. Holdings, Bassberry and Sims, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, Community Health Systems, Gresham Smith, and Regions. And also the Chamber's uh, supporting sponsors, Bank of America, the Center for International Business at Belmont, uh, Nashville International Airport, 
Mitsui USA, and United Healthcare Global. And finally, our media partner, the Nashville Post. So I want to thank uh, all of the sponsors who make these uh, programs possible. So let's kind of move on to our program. Uh, Tennessee and the uh, Republic of Korea have strong business, political, and cultural connections. There are over 17 uh, Korean-owned businesses in the state of Tennessee um, that have invested nearly $1 billion and employ uh, nearly 4,000 Tennesseans. Uh, many of you know much of that investment is clustered just north of us up in uh, Clarksville, where you find uh, Hankook Tire, LG, and Atlas uh, BX operating uh, daily, and hopefully more uh, to come in, in the future. And you also uh, may remember back in October of 2019, I know that seems like it's a decade ago when we could actually meet in person, uh, but we hosted U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Korea, uh, Harry Harris, and Ambassador Harris actually was born and raised uh, in uh, Crossville, Tennessee. So today, we welcome home, although virtually, another Tennessean uh, who is integral to the U.S.-Korea relationship uh, Troy uh, Stangarone with the Korea Economic Institute of America. Welcome, Troy, and welcome virtually home to Tennessee. We obviously appreciate your uh, background of Memphis. Um, joining us from the U.S. State Department is Mark Knapper, who serves as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Korea and Japan. Mark, thanks for joining us uh, during what I'm sure is an extremely busy time uh, in D.C. at the moment. So we really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, today. And last but certainly not least, uh, we welcome uh, Minister Young Jae Kim, who is the Economic Minister of the Embassy of the Republic of Korea in the United States. So today's program, we're going to start with remarks from Troy, uh, followed by Mark, and then uh, we'll end with uh, Minister Kim. But now during the uh, presentations, please uh, enter your questions into the, the chat box, or really preferably in the Q&A function that's the bottom of, of your screen, and then we will get to those uh, at the conclusion of Minister Kim's uh, comments. So, uh, Troy, why don't you kick us off, and thanks again for joining us today. Well, John, thanks. It's really great to be here. Um, it's always good to come back to Tennessee, even if it's only virtually, uh, so I've been really looking forward to this event. And, you know, I think I want to start off and just sort of, one, lay out a few basic things. Um, you know, we, you talked about the ties between Tennessee and Korea. Um, clearly, you know, there's been a lot of investment. A lot of this has been helped to be facilitated by the U.S.-Korea FTA, which created some stability in our economic relationship by formalizing a lot of the rules of trade between our two countries. But, you know, if we look at, you know, Tennessee specifically sort of, you know, on a whole, um, we're actually seeing a decline over the last, you know, couple of years in trade. In 2017, there was about $833 million worth of goods exported from Tennessee to South Korea. Um, in 2019, we don't have the full 2020 state data yet. Um, it was only 725 million. So, you know, we've seen some decline. I guess, you know, part of the question is going to be kind of, you know, how much of this is happening? You know, clearly that's pre-COVID. I would expect the 2020 numbers to, you know, be down obviously as well, but there does seem to be a trend over the last few years of after having seen some growth to see some decline. Um, if we though look at uh, more broadly, the relationship between the sort of, you know, the fifth district of Tennessee, you know, the Nashville area and South Korea, um, if I can, our website, wwkia.org, um, if you're watching either in uh, Nashville 
or somewhere else in Tennessee today. We have uh, trade data on our website for exports from uh, all states of the US and all the congressional districts that you can find that on our website. But if you look at that, actually um, in the fifth district, services are the most prominent export from uh, Nashville to South Korea. On the manufacturing side, it's been roughly you know, even over the last five or so years looking at the data. Um, and you're talking about things like communications equipment, motor vehicle parts, uh, non-ferrous metals. These types of things tend to be the most exported items. But you know, sort of like looking ahead, you know, we've had a transition here in the United States uh, to the Biden administration now. Um, under the Trump administration, we updated the US-Korea free trade agreement. Um, so that's taken and helped sort of expand some of the opportunities, specifically on the auto sector side, by raising some of the quotas that were in place for US exports to South Korea, which I think, you know, right now maybe are hard to sort of envision how those would work out, but I'll give you an example. Uh, when the agreement was put in place, um, in terms of vehicles you could send over that met US safety standards, it was 25,000 per um, producer. Uh, Toyota, who actually exports a lot of vehicles to South Korea from the United States, was running up close to that threshold so Toyota will probably be the first U.S. automaker to benefit from this change, which is now up to 50,000. But, you know, all the U.S. automakers will eventually benefit from that and have the ability to take and export to South Korea without having to worry about issues in terms of certain safety standards. So at least until you get to a volume to where you can address those standards. But looking ahead, I think, you know, one, we all know President Biden is one emphasized, you know, trying to restore manufacturing in the United States. And two, trade isn't necessarily on the top of the agenda. So I think early on we'll see stability, but I do think probably later this year when President Biden goes to Asia for the first time for things like the APEC meetings, we'll start to see some pressure building for a more proactive trade agenda. But looking specifically at Tennessee and maybe the fifth district, you know, there are a few areas that I think if you look at sort of South Korea, that makes sense either in terms of maybe exports to South Korea or areas to partner. And I'm gonna talk about different parts of the state as well. Um, one, South Korea is doing a significant push in terms of moving towards renewable energy. Um, they have what they call a Green New Deal. Um, part of this actually predates the Green New Deal into what's called the hydrogen roadmap. There's a lot of emphasis on developing hydrogen as a fuel source, specifically for automotive vehicles. Um, clearly with Tennessee's background, perhaps over time, there are areas for either parts suppliers in the U.S. to uh, manufacturers for Hyundai and Kia here in the U.S. to you know, get into that area. Um, you also have a significant push for electric vehicles in South Korea. And we all know that the Nissan LEAF is built at the plant in Smyrna. Um, so, you know, potentially, you know, you have opportunities here in terms of exports on the auto side or maybe investment in the future into Tennessee to support Korean auto manufacturers in the United States. Um, two. If we look at South Korea's population, um, you know, it's aging very rapidly. It's going to be one of the oldest populations uh, in the next decade or two. Um, Tennessee obviously has a strong healthcare industry. So, you know, when we're looking at the healthcare sector, you know, be it either perhaps the export of medical parts, which for the state as a whole is actually one of the larger, um, you know, exports. You know, you could be looking at things in the healthcare industry that might be beneficial in terms of meeting the needs in South Korea. Um, you know, I grew up in Chattanooga, as we all know, Chattanooga has one of the fastest internet sectors or systems in the world uh, through EPB. Um, you also 
in that have growing tech sectors in Nashville, Chattanooga is well set for the tech sector. Um, South Korea is very, a very high tech society. So there's a potential for trying to attract South Korean tech companies there. And you know, talking about the infrastructure in Tennessee that they would be there for accessing, accessing the US market or just doing other types of high tech you know, uh, things in the state. Um, lastly, um, one of the things that I want to sort of focus on is, you know, on the services side, the largest export um, is travel. So, you know, tourists coming into the state and, you know, having grown up in East Tennessee, I can tell you, you know, it's a very beautiful region, one of the most beautiful regions I've been to. And, you know, South Koreans really enjoy things like hiking. And I think, you know, Promoting, you know, East Tennessee as a destination, be the Smoky Mountains, or, you know, anybody who's had a chance to hike up Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga, and then view the river bend through downtown. You know, it's a gorgeous site. You know, famous Civil War battle site, the Battle of the Clouds. Um, you know, I think these are all kinds of things that could be marketed to potential tourists in South Korea. And you know, the thing about this is, is that, you know, like anything, when you leave the United States, like we all know these types of things. But when you're in another country, you know, you see things about New York, you see things about LA, you know, maybe Chicago, a few other places. And so I think, you know, despite the natural beauty of Tennessee um, and, you know, even like the Nashville area in terms of like music tourism. Uh, so in terms of, you know, coming to see, you know, the different, you know, the Grand Ole Opry, other things, you know, I went to even the Lantern Festival just before, or not this past year, but, you know, the year before, um, you know, it's a gorgeous, great thing. You know, there's a lot of these opportunities to try and I think attract Korean tourists to Tennessee and something you know to look at. And so I think with that I'd like to kind of like include sort of my initial remarks, but I am happy to take and you know talk about uh, any of these other issues and other things you know as we go forward. Thank you. Thank you, Troy. Those excellent comments. Um, I, 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 I really appreciate it, especially with around the um, I hadn't really thought about the electric vehicle. Uh, opportunities for the state. And I know, you know, Tennessee, that is a priority of the economic uh, uh, development initiatives uh, for the state is to attract kind of inbound, um, uh, you know, more investment around the electric vehicle, around the electric vehicle battery. Um, so there may be some good opportunities. So I really appreciate that, uh, those comments. Uh, Mark, how about we, uh, we, we, we turn to you? Okay, thank you. And uh... Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you, especially to the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce and uh, KEI America for including me today. It's really, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm not from Tennessee, but I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting several times and I can uh, attest to what Troy said about the beauty of the uh, Great Smoky Mountains as well as the great cultural vibrancy there in Nashville, been to the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, really enjoyed it and, and sincerely hope we get back to a time when we can, uh, again, travel more freely and gather and great cultural icons like uh, like what you have in Nashville. Um, you know, Troy gave us an excellent overview of, of sort of the economic and, and trade relationships. So I'll begin my uh, brief remarks a little more on on the so security and diplomatic relationship we have with the Republic of Korea. Um, as many or all of you are aware, our, our relationship with South Korea uh, began uh, on the battlefield really uh, in 1950 with the outbreak of the Korean War. Um, and in 1953, we, we cemented, cemented an alliance uh, with the ROK, the Republic of Korea, uh, that lasts to this day. Um, you know, we, we had uh, 37,000 American soldiers perish in the war, uh, nearly 1,000 
uh, Tennessean casualties. Um, and I understand there are 134,000 uh, Korean War veterans who resided uh, over the years in, in Tennessee. And so certainly deep ties between Tennessee and, and the ROK in terms of uh, South Korea's uh, you know, fight for, for its independence and its freedom. Um, but we, you know, we, we, this relationship with South Korea began as, a, as an alliance on the battlefield. And uh, today we've got 28,500 US troops uh, in South Korea along with, uh, with their families. Um, this is, we call it an alliance uh, forged in blood. And uh, truly uh, the US commitment uh, to this alliance remains as strong as ever. Uh, the Biden administration uh, remains fully committed uh, to, to not just maintaining, but strengthening uh, our security relationship with South Korea. And, um, and we've benefited tremendously uh, from the peace and stability that this alliance has brought to the region over the years. And our US troops there uh, remain prepared, as they say, prepared to fight tonight uh, to deter and, and if necessary, defend uh, against, uh, against North Korea. Um, but you know, this relationship with, uh, with South Korea isn't just about security anymore. Um, although it began as a military focused uh, relationship, it's evolved over the decades into something that's much more. And you know, this is something about which we're very proud that the US-South Korea relationship now encompasses virtually every aspect of uh, human endeavor that, that you can think of uh, from trade and investment uh, to science and technology cooperation to health cooperation people-to-people -people ties, uh, you know, as we heard from, from Troy, there's, there's uh, very, very deep, deep roots uh, between Tennessee and, and South Korea in terms of trade and investment. Um, you know, South Korea uh, is America's seventh largest trading partner. Uh, it's a major investor now in the United States, particularly uh, throughout the South and, and in Tennessee, uh, about a billion dollars worth of investment as we heard uh, from Mr. Scanapieco, uh, 4,000 uh, good paying jobs uh, for Tennesseans, thanks to Korean investment companies like LG Electronics, uh, Hanguk Tire. And so, um, you know, this is, this is an aspect of our two countries' ties about which we're very proud, the, the trade, the investment, the good jobs created, because this is, uh, this is something the Biden administration is, is really all about. It's, it's ensuring that the trade with our foreign partners uh, ensures that uh, working families are protected, that we defend our values, that we protect America's long-term prosperity and security. And uh, we're ensuring that, uh, that American workers remain competitive throughout, throughout the world. And so this is, this is the focus of, of, of the Biden administration's approach to trade. And so, um, but beyond trade, beyond investment, um, you know, we're very proud as well of, as I mentioned, our, our our science and technology and our health cooperation. And these are areas, uh, Troy got into it a little bit in terms of some of the high-tech uh, fields that, that Korea excels in. And I think uh, definitely present opportunities uh, for our two countries going forward. Right now in South Korea, uh, there's a lot of talk of, of what they call the fourth industrial revolution, which is focused on, on, on technology, like the internet of things, uh, nanotechnology, biotechnology, AI, autonomous vehicles, um, hydrogen powered vehicles, hydrogen powered power plants, um, and so on. And so uh, these kind of areas, uh, Korea is, is very focused on, Korea is, is working to excel in. And I think there are opp opportunities abound there in, in, in Tennessee as well for, for our, our you know, researchers, our scientists, our engineers to, to collaborate with their South Korean counterparts. 
uh, for the benefit and the prosperity of, of both of our peoples. Um, I would also note, I think, uh, just in terms of, of demographic challenges, this is something that's another area potentially for cooperation between our two countries. Uh, Korea, as many of you know, is, is dealing with the, the effects of, of aging society and, and uh, declining birth rates. And so uh, demographic challenges, uh, sort of taking care of medical care and other care for the elderly is a huge uh, issue there that uh, Korea is tackling. And so I think you know, collaboration uh, with, with partners in Tennessee on addressing demographic challenges is another uh, potential area, uh, given, as Troy mentioned, the strong sort of healthcare industry there, there in Tennessee. I would note people-to-people uh, -people ties are a major focus of, uh, you know, when we talk about our relationship with South Korea, uh, we benefit from 2 million uh, Korean Americans uh, in the US. Uh, there are about 200,000 Americans living in South Korea. We've got close to 50,000 Korean students in the United States, uh, including several hundred uh, Korean students in Tennessee. A uh, figure I saw earlier was that uh, Korean students in Tennessee generate about uh, $11 million for the economy uh, a year. And so it's, it's a big deal uh, to be able to have and welcome foreign students, Korean students, uh, whether it's a university, you know, University of Tennessee or Belmont University or across the state. Um, but more than more than the, the economic benefits of, of of foreign students and foreign exchanges, I think it's it's the the societal and and the sort of diplomatic benefits we gain. All these students, all these young people going back and forth, uh, they build bridges uh, for our two countries to to further strengthen our ties. Because uh, without these kind of people to people relations, uh, virtually you know nothing nothing uh, nothing positive can happen in our in our two countries uh, alliance. And so. Uh, if I could, if I had, could have one wish, I would, uh, I would triple the number of young people in both countries uh, right now because I think it really is uh, the key to our, our our two countries' relationships' future. I'm a beneficiary of of a student program as a young person, and so um, for those of you out there who who run cultural exchanges, who run youth exchanges, who are in charge of educational exchanges, I commend you, urge you to to keep working at it because uh, it's, it's organizations like. Uh, the World Affairs Council, like the Chamber of Commerce, uh, like uh, you know, uh, sort of societies that promote international exchanges that help to sort of pave the way to the future of our the U.S. Uh, U.S. ROK alliance. Um, so, with that, I will I will stop and certainly happy to answer any questions that uh, folks might have. Thank you. Thanks for your comments, Mark, and I could not agree with you more regarding the people to people exchanges. I think. Too many times I see, um, especially on the American side, um, we reject what we don't know or what we don't understand. And I think a lot of that is simply because of that and not because it's good or bad. We just don't understand it. We don't, we don't know it. And I think through those exchanges, um, we really get a chance to really learn more about the, uh, uh, just the, the, the wonderful differences actually that exist out there about different cultures and different people. And so I'm, I'm such a big proponent of um, – uh, you know, of those exchanges. In fact, I think all of my kids have already told me they're going somewhere <laughs> at some point uh, in, in different parts of the world so they can uh, really experience that. And I, and, I, and I try to encourage that. So thank you for that. I think that's a great, that, that, that's a fantastic comment. If we take one thing away, I think that's a good one. Um, Minister Kim, uh, why don't we uh, turn to you? Welcome today.
Thank you, John. Good morning, Tennessee. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's very nice to meet you all in the business circle in Tennessee. I would like to extend my appreciation to Tennessee World Affairs Council and Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce for organizing this event. Well, um, previous two speakers made an, an excellent presentation, the overview of, of our, our bilateral economic relations. This morning, uh, given limited time, I'd like to focus rather specific commercial aspect of our bilateral relationship because we have another session in the evening where I can address more general aspect of it. One quick note though, is that uh, Korea is 10th largest economy in the world and sixth largest trading partner of the United States. We are a big force, I mean, uh, a bigger force than ordinary people think in the international economy. Uh, having said that, um, Korea and the United States, as, as, as mentioned, have a free trade agreement in place. And this agreement has been in, in effect for about nine years now. The benefit of this FTA was concentrated in the early stage of the implementation where the immediate elimination of tariffs occurred to many products. But there are some sensitive, sensitive products that have longer period of, of tariff reduction mostly agriculture or livestock products. In that case, American exports have advantageous position in the Korean market in the competition with other exporting countries that have the similar FTAs with Korea. It is because the Korea US FTA started the tariff, re tariff reduction earlier than other FTAs that came late. So for example, the most favored nation tariff rate of beef is 40% in Korea. So it is gradually being reduced over 15 years, starting from the entry into force of each FTAs. So as of the year 2021, the tariff rate for the US beef is 13.3%. For Australia, it's 18.6%. For Canada, 21.3%. Many other countries without FTAs face 40% tariff rate. So the US will be the first country that gets zero tariff rate in beef exports to Korea in 2026. Um, on auto, you know, uh, the market share of the American cars, unfortunately, has not increased in Korea as fast as we first expected when when, when it entered entered into force the FTA. On average, American cars take about. 15% of the share in the imported car market in Korea, because European cars have strong presence in Korea as well as, as, well as in Japan in, in other Asian market. But despite the pandemic this year, last year, the American car sales in Korea increased to 20% of the share, which is a good sign to the American auto industry. I took these two examples of beef and auto among other products to say that businesses can greatly benefit from engaging with your congressman in Washington DC, both in the Senate and, and, and in the house. In trade with Korea specifically, for example, the former Senator from Montana and the former member of the house from Michigan, they greatly contributed to resolving trade issues with Korea for the American beef exports and auto exports respectively. So it is very important for your business to engage with your government and the other government if you have issues with conditions in the exporting market. 
That way, both governments can have the chance to manage the overall trade relationship very healthy. Next, on, on energy, although Tennessee is not specialized in, in energy sector, Korea is expanding imports of US LNG in line with our clean energy policy. Our main import lines of LNG were Qatar and Russia, but to diversify the import sources for the energy security purpose, we are increasing the portion from the United States. In services, there are many financial companies and IT companies doing business with Korea in Korea. Uh, and they consult with both governments to enhance the regulatory environment in Korea. For example, about you know, financial prudence regulations and consumer data privacy rules in Korea. As you may know, there are a number of international agreements as well as ongoing negotiations to harmonize the rules on digital or e-commerce area. The Biden administration is committed to actively engaging in such international coordination efforts and the Korean government very much welcomes that. On construction services and, and infrastructure, um, Korea and the United States have common interest in developing infrastructure in such regions as Southeast Asia including smart city projects and 5G networks. If our two governments coordinate successfully in their foreign policy, there will be many good business opportunities in other regions than Korea and the United States. So that leads to my conclusion, that is the joint efforts of the private and the public will greatly expand the horizon of the businesses for the, for the benefit of, of our both countries. Thank you very much. Thank you, Minister Kim. You know, it, it's really, I think, helpful for us. You know, I think so many times we, we view the world through our American lenses and we forget that there is obviously other perspectives. And so it's always nice to hear um, from the perspective of, say, the in this case, our focus country, which is South Korea. So we really appreciate uh, and welcome your, your comments and especially describing some of these opportunities and ways that we can engage. So uh, thank you again. Uh, for that. So again, please, everyone, uh, if you have some questions, put them in the uh, uh, question and answer uh, uh, box, and we will uh, get to those questions in, in just a second. But what I'd like to do is kind of throw out a question uh, for all three of our panelists, because again, they approach it from three very different perspectives. And uh, everyone kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's really just hone in on it. You know, we now have a new administration. The Biden administration has been in office for about a week. Um, and, you know, what are your expectations, you know, from this administration with respect to uh, U.S.-South Korean uh, relations? Minister Kim, why don't we start with you? And then, Mark, we can go to you. And then, Troy, we'll, we'll, we'll finish with you. Well, I would I'll focus uh, again the economic relationship uh, between the Korean government with, and with uh, and the new Biden administration. You know, um, last year uh, all of us uh, uh, experienced the, the steepest economic downturn since World War II. Um, as the world market continues uh, efforts to move out from this uh, pandemic, there's no doubt that Korea will, will enhance its economic relations with a with, with, uh, new administration based on our solid 
Alliance. I have uh, the latest uh, World Economic Outlook by IMF. Um, uh, it actually increased the prospects of, of US uh, economy's uh, growth rate 2%, uh, 2.2%. That is uh, from 3% uh, growth this year to 5% growth this year. That is uh, enormous change uh, from, uh, the expect, uh, from the estimate uh, in last October. So again, uh, we expect that the United States uh, as the largest economy in the world will take a lead in global efforts to achieve you know, economic recovery. And uh, Korea stand ready to coordinate closely with, with the United States. Um, particularly, I would like to mention the, the area of, of climate change. You know, the, for, for, for instance, President Biden aims to achieve a net emission zero economy by 2050. That is the same goal that Korean president uh, announced uh, two months ago. So I'm sure we will be able to cooperate in ways that will help this uh, dream, uh, uh, help uh, make this dream a reality. The Korean government is, is focused on, on, on our vision of uh, what we call Green New Deal, as mentioned, Troy, in which in, in, in this policy, we focus, uh, our focus will be placed on accelerating the transition of our economy towards a low carbon and eco-friendly economy. We intend to invest more than $60 billion to create uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs aimed at strengthening uh, climate change, climate actions, realizing a green economy and investing in, in green infrastructure, renewable energy. And with, with all this, we look forward to uh, Closely working with with, with a new administration, to 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 uh, the new administration uh, is committed to you know similar goals with Korea. So we look forward to working with with, with new new administration as closely as possible in the future. Uh, thank you, Minister Kim. We appreciate it, uh, Mark. Sure. Well, thank you. So uh, the, the, the Biden administration, I mean, we consider uh, the Indo-Pacific region as, as absolutely vital uh, to, the, to the current and future prosperity of the United States, to the to security of the United States. And so I think you can expect to see, uh, you know, under the Biden administration, uh, the United States taking, uh, taking, you know, great steps, making great efforts to restore itself as a Pacific, Indo-Pacific power. And, and taking steps to, to ensure that the Indo-Pacific remains uh, free and open, secure and prosperous. And so, you know, we believe that the really key to all this is, is strengthening our alliances and working in lockstep uh, with allies and partners uh, in the region with whom we share values, with whom we share interests. Of course, the Republic of Korea is, is top among uh, these allies. I mean, these, these alliances, this alliance relationship we, we, we have with South Korea we consider it to be you know, our greatest strategic asset. And, and so if the United States is to remain uh, strong and, and influential in the Indo-Pacific region, we really have to ensure that our alliances are the, are the pathway to, to maintaining our, our position here. So uh, the Biden administration, you know, we're going to, to work uh, very hard to strengthen these alliances uh, and also work to deepen partnerships uh, with others uh, like, like India, like Vietnam, like New Zealand. 
And so as we're modernizing, as we're strengthening our alliances, uh, you know, particularly with South Korea, um, we're going to look for ways we can deepen our cooperation in areas, as we discussed earlier, areas like new technology, cutting edge technology, uh, looking at uh, ways we can deepen our cooperation with South Korea in terms of promoting democracy, promoting de democratic resilience, and, and also, uh, as, as we heard from uh, Minister Kim, things like climate change, of course, uh, working together on, on uh, responding to the ongoing uh, COVID uh, pandemic, but also how do you know how do we predict and how do we forecast and deal with future pandemics? Because I mean, we I think we all realize that uh, this uh, you know this this could very well happen again. And so uh, you know, Korea enjoys a very special uh, position for having uh, sort of done a, a terrific job dealing with with the pandemic. Um, and so I think we have a lot to learn from the South Korean example. And certainly, we'll want to work closely with South Korea going forward on on addressing infectious diseases, pandemics. Uh, but also, you know, forecasting them and hope, hopefully helping to prevent uh, the dramatic spread that unfortunately we, uh, we saw um, over the past year. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Troy? So first of all, I'd just like to echo everything that uh, Minister Kim and Deputy Assistant Secretary Knapper uh, just said. You know, all of those are point on. Um, the one or a couple of things I think I'd like to add is, is that one, I think you know going forward there will also be looks at how not just on a bilateral level we can cooperate with South Korea on some of these issues be they either the pandemic or on uh, things like uh, renewable energy and alternative energy sources but also how we can cooperate either in plurilateral groups or multilaterally as well so to give a specific example you know I've talked some about hydrogen um, Japan is also uh, pursuing hydrogen as an alternative fuel source Australia is really looking into exporting hydrogen uh, produced off renewable energy. So that way is not to um, add additional carbon uh, into the atmosphere. So the question sort of becomes, you know, how can we all as allies sort of work together, at least as US allies, not necessarily uh, allies with each other, um, you know, to try and take and really work together, not to just on the technology, but to build the ecosystem that's needed to take and really bring these types of fuels that are still somewhat nascent you know, into the market, into the market at competitive price levels and everything, because, you know, hydrogen is moving that way, but it's one thing that, you know, you still need more scale before you really get to, you know, the competitive nature you need for it to be. So I think, you know, we'll see the Biden administration not just look to cooperate on a bilateral level with, you know, our allies, be they South Korea or others, but on these types of issues, either on a plurilateral level with this group of countries or, you know, at places, you know, on the international level, be they either at the WTO or other areas to try and build coalitions to ensure that we have the right types of trade rules that we need to ensure fair competition around the world. Great. Thank you, Troy. And, and you know, Mark, you, you actually, uh, when you mentioned uh, South Korea as a, as a great example of how they dealt with uh, COVID-19, it actually dovetails with the question we actually received from one of our attendees. And Minister Kim, I'd like to maybe direct this question to you. Uh, South Korea has handled the COVID-19 pandemic incredibly well with lower infection and death rates and a fairly quick economic rebound. What lessons can the U.S. learn, do you think, from uh, how South Korea has handled uh, the pandemic? If you, if you were going to maybe provide us with some advice, maybe what would that advice be? Well, that one quick answer, one line answer is, is, is that we did not impose large scale social distancing measures uh, uh, social distancing regulations. Instead, 
we utilized a strategy of extensive, extensive testing, tracing, and treatment. Uh, and so, so we, 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 we have used targeted quarantine measure. But uh, I don't think we are not in a position to give, give you advice because each country has its own system. You know, I think in the case of a health crisis, Korean system, uh, Korean system was was more adaptive to 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 cope with with this kind of system, because we already had a similar crisis five years ago when we had a MERS outbreak in in Korea. That was uh, so we the whole nation uh, actually received vaccination five five years ago. Uh, and then we uh, we we established you know the health system based on the experience from from five five years ago. The United States system is is is, is totally different. You are more adaptive to more in, in encouraging innovations, you know, uh, and and then the free market. But uh, you have more liberal system, market administration everywhere. It will be a little slow. Uh, when we first, uh, when we, when we, when you were first encountered this kind of problem, but uh, as I said, the United States will start to pick up and how to learn uh, to fight this kind of uh, uh, crisis, and then eventually, I, I believe the U.S. will, will come, come come out of the, this crisis very quickly, the first from uh, first in the world, I guess. Well, uh, Minister Kim, thank you. That was a very diplomatic answer, and I, I appreciate that. Mark, I saw your hands. Yeah, why don't you uh, chime in? That'd be great. Yes. Thanks, John, and uh, thanks, Minister Kim. And just one uh, really unique example of the kind of um, cooperation that we enjoyed with uh, South Korea last year was, um, well, last April, South Korea uh, successfully held uh, a general election uh, in the midst of, of this pandemic. Uh, and I think had very high uh, turnout rate for its voters. And so of course, uh, with our own election coming up, uh, the State Department organized an event, one of these web events between Korean national election officials and various uh, secretaries of state from the 50 states, you know, the officials who handle run elections in each state and, and got them together virtually to talk about best practices in, host, you know, in holding safely uh, holding an election uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And so we had these uh, various secretaries of state, including I'm sure from, from Tennessee, uh, ask questions about you know, how far apart should people stand when they're waiting in line to vote and, and how much disinfectant <laughs> do you need to prepare for election day or, or the days ahead of the election? I mean, very sort of detailed, precise, kind of concrete uh, ways of safely holding an election. And so uh, we try, I think we benefited tremendously from, from the example uh, Korea said and the, the great best practices that Korean election officials um, shared with, uh, with our own election officials. So for that, uh, I like to tell that story because it really is a pretty special example and, and of course we're very grateful for it. Oh, that, that is. I mean, that's something that, of course, you know, we as just normal citizens didn't, I mean, I knew nothing about that, but I, maybe we could see some of those practices put, actually put into practice. Uh, I was a poll observer this year, this election, and it was very well run in terms, just what you said, in terms of distancing and masking and disinfectants and how we were going to do things. And so, uh, so yes, Mr. Kim, thank you so much for sharing that information because I think it really did help. Um, you know, here uh, in this country. Um, Troy, I'd like to ask you, you kind of touched on it some during your presentation, but, you know, as a Tennessee native, 
you know, one of the things that I think you, you maybe have just more uh, insight on and understanding more about the Tennessee economy, you know, if you were going to maybe speak uh, with Tennessee businesses, um, what, what would you identify really for them as maybe some opportunities? I know one of the things, for example, you touched on was the aging population. And obviously, healthcare delivery is big in, 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 in this state. Uh, uh, also, senior care is, is very big in this state. What, what other maybe opportunities would you identify for um, you know, Tennessee businesses to maybe consider? Yeah, you know, I think this is a great question. And I think, you know, we have to look at it from the perspective of, you know, what types of things can we really look forward to, but also how do we look to the future? And, you know, one of the things that is growing, you know, in the United States is the consumption of Korean entertainment, uh, specifically uh, K-pop. Um, you know, it's had its biggest year in the United States uh, ever. You've had um, BTS, which is a Korean band, uh, have their first number one hit. You've also seen, um, you know, them have multiple number one albums in the US now. And so I think one of the things, you know, areas where there's collaboration, specifically, you know, in Nashville, we think about this, you know, is, you know, the music industry. Uh, you know, we're talking about one of the top recording areas in the United States. And I, you know, everyone thinks about country music. And part of me actually would really love to see a K-pop slash country duet happen, because I think that there could be some interesting collaborations there. But that being said, you know, all kinds of music is recorded in Nashville. It's not just country music. And I think, you know, that's sometimes something that's underappreciated by uh, people that you do have a diversity of music in Nashville that, you know, artists are recording. And so I think, you know, when we look to the entertainment industry, you know, there's opportunities for collaboration there. Um, and, you know, we talked, I talked briefly about the tech side and everything, you know, one of the things that uh, Korean artists sort of were on the forefront of is doing virtual concerts and trying to find other ways to engage with artists. So, you know, you know, the creative community in Nashville, the creative community in uh, South Korea probably could take and work with each other to like share experiences and how, to, you know, we go through this period, you know, probably, you know, if we're being honest, probably not till the fall when most of us are vaccinated and everything. So, you know, you still have probably good, you know, eight, nine months to where we're going to be sort of in this largely virtual world. And that's, you know, things go well. So you have that, um, you know, I mentioned hydrogen. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, South Korea is doing is Hyundai produces um, hydrogen trucks for moving cargo and everything. And in terms of cost competitiveness, um, hydrogen is very good you know, in this one area. Um, you're not really, because of the way electric power, be able to convert uh, trucks to electricity because you just require too many batteries and it'd be too heavy. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I wonder in terms of, you know, we talked about attracting investments and everything is, you know, as you know, Hyundai perhaps looks to maybe export these or build these in the United States. You know, I, I'm not sure what the old uh, Saturn plants, if it's been used for anything else yet or not, but you know, maybe looking to try and attract you know, Hyundai to you know, produce these types of trucks you know, in Tennessee in the future. So you have sort of specific things like this, which you know, marry with you know, what Korean companies in the case of the auto industry are looking to do that marry with you know, what you know, our government is looking towards, you know, in terms of, you know, trying to decarbonize the economy, also what South Korea's economy is looking for. So you have things like that, you know, um, I think, you know, demographics, you know, is a very important issue. Um, you know, we've talked about how the population is aging rapidly there. South Korea out of, you know, large developed countries has the world's lowest birth rate. So you're going to see the shifts and, you know, we all know that, you know, most healthcare in a person's life is, you know, towards the end of life. And so 
as you know people live longer and like this is the thing i think also that people don't realize about south korea um south koreans are amongst the people in the world with the longest lifespans um so you're talking about you know people who are very healthy but also are going to have you know care and older age for much longer than a lot of other countries and so you know i think that when we do talk about the medical devices industry you know there's probably real opportunities there and you know minister kim talked about 5g cooperation and everything and you know i we've talked a lot you know sort of in the policy realm in the last couple of years about you know what types of 5g equipment should be used and where it should be deployed and these kinds of things um, and those are all important especially for security reasons and other things but i think in terms of the business side the real question is is sort of you know what type of content or what type of services are going to be on these systems how are we going to best take advantage we're very early on in the stage of this uh, but this is where you know i think you know there's tech opportunities in, the, in tennessee to try and work with korean companies to find new content and new opportunities so for example when they rolled out um, 5g self-service in south korea there was a lot of questions about like well is this really much better? And, you know, there's a Wall Street Journal reporter I know who actually was talking about how, you know, there's some advantages to it. You know, you can download a movie faster and things like that, but we still are at the early stage of how do we find the right applications to use now that we have all of this new capacity. And so I think, you know, given the infrastructure in Tennessee, you know, trying to find collaborative ways to deploy new things because Korea per capita has more 5G deployment than anywhere in the world right now. So if you're looking for a test bed for 5G applications, South Korea is the place. And so I think those are some of the areas that I, I would initially maybe focus on. Okay, great, thank you so much. And uh, uh, Minister Kim, we got another question from uh, one of our participants. And this kind of follows on with your um, uh, discussion on um, Korea uh, trying pledging to reach net zero emissions and, um, and and also I guess also with the Biden administration also trying to reach that goal and as you previously stated the beef and auto industry are two key trade areas yet these are also high emission industries how will um, South Korea uh, approach potential future regulations of such high emission industries like beef and auto and how can our two countries compromise between between free trade and uh, climate action? Well, um, I think the free trade and, and environmental protection is not, you know, two, two, uh, two competing objectives. You know, it, it's not irreconcilable. It's, uh, if we set up um, a private level of environmental protection for manufacturers and, and, and farmers and ranchers, and then that will help uh, domestically. And the problem is if we have different st standards among countries, country A have high standard of, of, of environmental regulation, country B has low standard of, of uh, environmental uh, regulation, that's the problem because that will make the difference in, 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 the, in the competition. So uh, the trade negotiation will, will have to you know, aim to harmonize those environmental standards among countries so we can you know, compete in, in, in equal footing. So I think that this, it's the same for the agricultural industry. You know, there is already a discussion in, in, in WTO to reduce agricultural subsidies, including, in, including in subsidies to beef, beef industry. Maybe 
if we can save some some money from from there, we can revert uh, those funds to to encourage, for example, R&Ds uh, to develop alternative sources of protein from plants and, and vegetables. So, I think it's 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 a thing that we should uh, use our money, taxpayers' money, wisely to to defend to protect the protect the the environment. I think. Thank you, Mr. Kim. Um, Mark, let me start with you on this question, and, and this may be a Minister Kim question too, and and, um, and and really, Troy, you may want to chime in too. So with the new administration in office, this came from one of our participants, how um, and in what ways can both the U.S. and South Korea work together going forward on trade uh, under the, uh, I'll say, revised uh, Buy American policy that was just recently uh, announced through uh, you know, executive order um, just recently. Okay, well, thank you. That's a great question. Um, so this new, you know, our new administration, the Biden administration's approach to trade is uh, very clear. It's going to be focused on um, American working families, on uh, defending our, our values uh, and seeking to protect uh, the long-term prosperity and security of the United States and our people. And so as President Biden has said, uh, the U.S. is going to be focused on making investments uh, in American workers and American competitiveness uh, before we sign any new trade agreements. And so that's going to be a really it's, a, it's a, an important and high bar uh, to cross. It's it's you know focused on American workers, American families, and ensuring that um, American competitiveness and prosperity are are always uh, are always protected. Um, that said, uh, you know the Biden administration has also made clear. Uh, the U.S. is going to work with allies and partners uh, like South Korea uh, to identify uh, ways to deal with specific trade issues, uh, whether it's infrastructure, uh, whether it's digital economy, whether it's energy. But at the end of the day, um, any new trade agreements uh, have to protect workers, have to promote transparency, and have to uh, protect uh, the environment. Thank you. John, you are muted. Uh, well, uh, Minister Kim or Troy, would either of you like to um, comment on that question? I can say a brief word if uh, Minister Kim um, doesn't want to say anything. Sure. So, so what, what, what was the question? Uh, oh, the question was, um, with the new administration in office, and they just recently um, uh, revised the kind of Buy American policy, ah. how and what ways can both South Korea and the U.S. work together on issues of trade, free trade, when within that framework, that Buy American policy framework? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I Mark just answered. No, no, no. I, no, that, that's, that's fine. My understanding, I, I thought there was a new question was asked by you when 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 you, your mic was muted. So that's the you know, no. the same question. Yes. Yeah, right. I was just asking if you had a comment. Right, right. The same question. Yes. Um, the Biomechanet. So uh, we are carefully watching. This uh, was announced just a days ago, and then um, even the previous administration administration had announced a similar policy. At the early stage of, of, of their, you know, the taking office. Now again, this administration has announced uh, this policy again after uh, a few days of, of inauguration. Uh, 
But um, you know, the, all governments want to procure their domestic you know, products, first of all, but there is an international rule agreements, uh, not only in WTO, but also in, in, in FTAs. There is a rule that, that guarantee a fair competition uh, uh, among the domestic sources and, and imported sources. I believe the uh, US government will at least abide by those international rules already agreed. If they want to change the agreed rule, there will be a new negotiation about, about government procurement. But I guess there is still some room in the, those agreed agreement they, where the government, each government can, can exercise their discretion to favor their domestic products. I think the, the Biden administration's intention is to use that small discretion wisely to, to help American manufacturers in, 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 in their you know, proc, uh, procure, uh, procurement to the United, United States government. So um, again, we are carefully watching this with, with all other trading partners. And then we look forward to how, how this new policy will reveal in, 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 in the next few months. I don't have anything additional to add on this. I think they've okay, very well. Great, great. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I know that's kind of a, a, a tricky question that um, we all have to deal with, different countries have to deal with, because as you say, Minister Kim, uh, each country would like to have a very strong domestic uh, economy. And I know these are difficult issues to work through, but I, I, I'm glad to see that there looks like there is plenty of flexibility for us to uh, you know, to, to work together. So unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, but I want to thank uh, all of you, all three of you for sharing your perspectives today, your thoughts and answering the questions of our uh, participants. And again, I'd like to extend um, uh, Ralph Schultz's invitation. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, for an in-person visit where we can actually uh, enjoy a lot of what Nashville has to offer. I mean, I moved here now 31 years ago to be here just for a year or two and then moved back to the Boston area. So I've been here ever since because I think it is a great place to live. Um, but if you're interested in diving deeper, as Minister Kim mentioned, um, there will be another discussion tonight um, uh, uh, th sponsored by the Tennessee World Affairs Council will be focusing more on geopolitical and national security issues. And so if, if you're interested in those issues, then I really uh, strongly urge you to um, join their town hall tonight. And uh, you can check that out on the Tennessee World Affairs uh, website. So again, I want to thank all of our panelists. I want to thank uh, Ralph. I want to thank the Tennessee World Affairs Council and the International Business Council of the Chamber of Commerce for hosting this event. Um, and I want to say uh, thank you very much, and we are adjourned. Thank you.